When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. This amazing, entirely delightful year is nearly over, 2020, our favorite year, all of us. And that does give us an opportunity to look back at the best songs of 2020. Rolling Stone has done our annual list of the 50 best songs of 2020. It's set in stone. It's out there. You can read it online and we thought we'd go through our official list maybe some individual picks and i have with me john dolan britney spanos and rob sheffield hey hey hello hello so let me start john since you put together this list ultimately as as the reviews editor what struck you overall about these 50 songs and this musical moment of 2020 as expressed through songs as opposed to albums, which is another list that we will probably grapple with in a future episode. One thing that struck the way we do it is everyone on staff sends in their top 20 songs and then their albums too. And um, I think what struck me this year was the amount of consensus. A lot of people really loving the same things. And I think you see sort of, I guess, two threads coming out of this, which is one is songs that really, feel, you know, reflect how this year felt, which was songs that are kind of dealing with trauma, dealing with difficult stuff, and then songs that help us escape. It was like a really good year for like retro disco songs and good year for like house music and good year for uh, things like that, but also songs that really kind of were, even if they weren't written to reflect this particular time, some were written before, people used them. And I think there was a little bit of consensus and a little bit of a feeling of sort of community, even maybe around some of these songs as the year went on. Well said. And I, I did want to talk about the whole disco thing. That's something uh, near and dear to, to Britney's heart. It is striking that you can make a mix, uh, a little mini mix of just the songs on this list that fall into the, vaguely into that category. So Selena Gomez, Dua Lipa, and even arguably, although it's not quite disco, the, the BTS song is it would fit in a Dynamite would fit in that in that mix. Yeah, it's a fascinating little subcurrent. So maybe I'll I'll let Brittany, who's written about this, kind of dig into that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's funny because in terms of what the biggest of the disco revival of this year, when it comes down to it, was the Dua Lipa album, which was very clearly recorded before this moment, but in some ways predicted a lot of what we would hear. And even, you know, Kylie Minogue had been working on her disco album long before the pandemic and Jesse Ware's album came very early in the pandemic. So there was a lot of it already kind of stewing for people, but it's kind of funny to think about how disco in its infancy, where it came from, existed, which is like so much of it are songs about extreme darkness and it's like these like really sad songs kind of shrouded in this like shimmering glittery pop and that is so much of what makes disco special and also was such a release at the start of the AIDS epidemic and what that meant to the people in the disco clubs like it's you know 
it's fascinating to kind of see a little bit of the mirroring of this like super dark time and a lot of deep sadness and how like disco has been escapism. We obviously can't experience the albums in the ideal way we would like to, but I think there is sort of this like bit of hope of like, you know, when this is all over, that phrase that everyone, you know, we're all repeating constantly is like, when this is all over, like, I can't wait to dance to Dua Lipa in the club. And I can't wait to hear the Jesse Ware album in the wild and like being able to experience those things. And I think the escapism has been so crucial, especially early on. I think there was such a need to kind of like pretend you were literally anywhere else. And that's why those albums have stuck out and been so beloved all year long. I wonder if we're going to have to do 2020 nights at the club going forward just to like make up specifically for all the 2020 songs that, that weren't allowed to be heard in that setting. There, so there, maybe many. For years, to, for years to come, maybe it'll be like emo night. Yeah. And it'll be a, a 2020 only. Like the uh, like the, 90s nights. Like it's going to be like not yeah. just like a decade. It's going to be literally just the year 2020. Like just people who want to hear WAP finally in a club forever and just like think of all the time they should have been able to dance to it. As it came out. Maybe we'll get to the point where people are wearing masks, ironically. <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get there. Fingers uh, crossed. At the club. The trucker <laughs> hat and mask combo is going to be <laughs> the hot look of 2022. Mark my words. But Dua Lipa's Don't Start Now, fantastic song. Probably the best bass line of the year, which, much like the Seinfeld theme, uh, turns out to have not been played by an electric bass. As, as real as it sounds, it's actually played on keyboard uh, by Ian Kirkpatrick, the uh, producer. I cannot not picture someone playing that on a real bass. It, it, it blows my mind that that's faked, but there you go. And the, uh, the, the Selena Gomez song, there's a lot of bangers on the uh, Selena Gomez album, but we chose, we chose one that's a metaphor uh, about cutting hair called the Cut You Off. Another perfect 2020 <laughs> thing to have to not be able to do. Yes, absolutely. I love that like, she, she began 2020 with a song about giving yourself the haircut that nobody needed to do really. And along the way was forced to turn into a celebrity chef, like hosting her genius cooking show in her fancy mansion. In Tom Petty's had... old mansion is where- Oh my goodness, yeah. I didn't- just Amazing. want to make it clear the house that she filmed selena and chef one of the best shows of 2020 is in a house that tom petty used to live in unbelievable she's a good girl she's crazy about cooking <laughs> <laughs> is, I, I love that, is she that begin- her real house sorry yeah I, no I it's a real she, house I, lo- I love how she begins the show with the premise that she has literally never used the kitchen in this house before <laughs> that's that's what made selena and chef really like such a lifeline for for all of us this year <laughs> I have not watched that show, but I have been in that house uh, in its former life. That's wild. You need to watch uh, pro- the show then. Yeah. It's, you probably, get a full tour. <laughs> probably fewer Rickenbackers in it now. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about BTS's Dynamite because it, it's, their, it's their first English language hit. It's fascinating to watch that particular sound, which is not that different from uh, like a, a Bruno Mars type of thing or, you know, or, or an Earth, Wind & Fire hit or something like that, like September by Earth, Wind & Fire. So it's, it's straight into that sort of like uh, bar mitzvah wedding jam genre, but done so perfectly by this group from, from South Korea. Uh, it's, it's wild. It's a great song. You can always count on a boy band to really brighten up the year. 
It's always, it's just one of the few things that we can depend on. And BTS, they, they delivered as they have been. But the song is such a shimmery, fun song. And such like, I don't know, even when it dropped, like, just like the amount of joy that I felt watching the video and like all of it, it just kind of was such a nice, it was just nice to like when things were released this year to not lose that kind of joy that you have with listening to music in spite of everything else. And like, I think that is such a great example of an event release that felt just like just as joyful as it would have felt last year, you know? They, they really kind of live in their own world of just happiness and fun. And it's like, there, no one ever showed them a newspaper that told them that life is so bad now. It's like, they're just, it's a, it's a complete space that they just are in of, and you want to go in there, you know, you want to, you really, it's infectious. And it's, it's with pop music now, it seems like, you know, a lot of people think about drama, pretend, it's kind of can sometimes be pretentious and they're just having such a great time doing these songs and the song references Bob Dylan and it sounds like chic and it's just so great and they're just piling on fun the entire time. It's such a fun, such a great song. Absolutely. You know, the year isn't a total loss when BTS are singing about Bob Dylan in a number one hit the same year that (laughs) Bob Dylan has a new hit album. You know, like, um, it's just a shame he didn't get to mention BTS in Murder Most Foul. Like, play me a song by BTS. They meet PJ Harvey singing about the dress. I don't know. Um, but BTS, Dynamite is such a... Something like that. I apologize. I apologize. Try not to sing in these. Um, but BTS, I mean, Dynamite was kind of right in the middle of a huge year for them because they began the year with Map of the Soul, super ambitious. For, a lot of us will remember that as the last album we fell in love with pre-pandemic. That was, you know a highlight of life in late January. <laughs> and at the end of the year, of course, B, just like completely fantastic record, very different, but still very ambitious and complex musically uh, with a lot of really uh, dark and personal songs as Map of the Soul does. And so a great song on B, like Disease. Um, and Dynamite is almost like a island right between those two statements where they just realized everybody needs a disco jam for this summer. Everybody needs a equivalent of chic doing good times. So we're going to do the ultimate, you know, ultimate transcontinental, transgenerational disco smash. It, it, Dynamite was almost like they knew it was the song the world needed. Yeah, and a lot of the songs on B are like about their fans and about giving their fans things they can think about to kind of heal. And, and they're, just, they're just really just such likable people. <laughs> it's, it's just a strange thing. Staying on dance, though perhaps not disco. Uh, Lady Gaga's "Stupid Love" really holds up. It's it's a, a, a rare Max Martin collaboration for her. Mm-hmm. That's a step she had her avoided. First one. Yeah, first one. It is, she had not wanted to uh, do that, and it really works. And, and honestly, it's one of those songs like you could say it was. It landed at, at like number five when it first came out, and then dipped quickly. But listening to it, you're kind of like, this is a hit in another era when the charts weren't operating in kind of a weird, a more radio driven era. That would have been that's a that's a big hit. I was going to say smash, but I I recently saw an interview with Ariana Grande where she um, made fun of, quote, old people like Scooter Braun. She said, who still say smash. So I'm never saying I'm never saying smash ever again. You're kidding. Yeah, she said it was like the the, the corniest, uh, and then I was like, God, maybe it is kind of corny. So anyway, Wait, she, I, I want to. She says she yeah. says that in Am I in Thank You Next? 
Isn't that the punchline? Like, if we break up, at yeah. least the song is a smash. I think that's the. I, I think she was making fun of. She was just aiming that at the old folks. Yeah, yes, she was yes, like, "This will yes. get them on board." Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I guess because that's yeah. when she's holding hands with their mama. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. No. She, she Two years later, so, and we're still yeah. learning all these secret layers of meaning. And thank you, next. Ariana is the best. Love her. <laughs> She said it with such contempt that I am never saying smash again. I, it scared me to my bones. I was just like, oh, my God. The idea of being subliminally judged for using a, a harmless word is, is just is, is terrifying. You know, is, is, so anyway, not a smash, but Stupid Love, great song, shows that the Max Martin Lady Gaga pairing super works. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, yeah, feels like feels like it should have been a, a bigger hit. And that entire and that, album yeah. was such a great tribute to 90s house music and a really like you know, Gaga went deep on all of it, on her influences for that. And another, a great, really fantastic dance album. You can see why, especially with the albums that did come out March through June, a lot of those albums were delayed. Like artists weren't sure that they were going to release any of those things. Like it's because I think they were just preparing for obviously a very different sort of like existence of those albums because they are so upbeat and so dancey. But when it came down to it, we needed those albums. Like we needed to you know rain on me like the first time i was able to do a socially distant hang with my friends was the first song we played like that was like the first thing that we were like like dancing around the park to like it was exactly what we wanted to hear as soon as we were able to like see each other in some capacity like that's that's what makes all of it so important yeah that was your uh, gaga pick yeah on your personal list yeah, yeah. and it's the ariana Speaking of Ariana, great duet. duet. Yeah, and their performance at the VMAs, I'll be thinking about it for the rest of my life, to be honest. Like, it's honestly, it was just such a great, I mean, that entire Gaga medley was brilliant and so peak weird Gaga, but like them singing that together, Ariana hitting a whistle note, like it's just two Italian gals having a ball. It's exactly what I needed. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's part of what I feel was stupid love. Like it, it wasn't quite, there's some unrealized potential and some of it is that it should have been like a highlight of a Gaga tour that still hasn't happened. Yeah. Uh, so that this is just a weird, weird 2020 thing. nights. Yeah, we're exactly. Get them off. We're, we're saving it. <laughs> Gaga will personally attend all the 2020 nights and perform <laughs> Chromatica. There was a time when Gaga did just go around to clubs making appearances like that at the beginning. That was yeah. definitely what she that, that was like her first quote unquote tour. But, <laughs> What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Just again, jumping thematically, there's a, another mini trend, and maybe it's just two artists, but with Halsey and Miley Cyrus, who Brittany wrote a great new cover story about that you should check out immediately as soon as you're done listening with this. And there, you know, there might be another one I'm missing. Machine but Gun Kelly, we can't forget yeah, his, right. his pop punk. Yes. 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 God, yes. I yes. love that song. Yes. Right. He's not on the list, but absolutely, yes. New um, Metal had the best year ever. Yeah. But, but basically, this idea of like pop stars suddenly just being like, I'm doing rock now. And totally credibly. I mean, Halsey's actually, both of them, both Halsey and Miley have shown, uh, you know, nascent signs of rock fever for some time. Halsey had that actually killer 
uh, speaking of Machine Gun Kelly connections, given they had something, um, they certainly were together one night when I was hanging out with them a, a couple years ago. But she had that great song on the uh, Birds of Prey soundtrack. Mm-hmm. She, that was like, yeah. Yeah, she did that with Bring Me the Horizon, which was such a, a weird pairing, but also so perfect because she's such a scene girl. Like she was like on Tumblr in her teens. Like she was very much like a, a scene emo girl and does not hold it back. She opened for Pank at the Disco and she went to the My Chemical Romance reunion last year. Like she's like a full on pop punk scene emo you know, early aughts girl through and through and nothing makes more sense than like the peak warp tour band like Bring Me the Horizon, who have probably headline warp tour more than any other group, I think. Um, for them to make this like kind of screamo post hardcore song for that soundtrack, which was also a really a great soundtrack. But it was it was such a perfect pairing and it's been fun to kind of hear her tease that even more throughout the year. Yeah, and I, actually, I went to Emo Night with Machine Gun Kelly and Halsey, which uh, <laughs> which actually was, was quite uh, an omen for both of their musical directions. <laughs> I mean, Machine Gun Kelly didn't make the list, but yeah, talk uh, briefly about his his remarkably successful pop-punk move. He, he played like a couple of his like nascent pop-punk songs for me, and, and it was hard to... I could tell his his you know he he had a lot of sincerity in his uh, affection for it. I didn't necessarily know that when he really did it, it was going to come out quite this well. Yeah, I I love that tickets to my downfall. A wonderful album that I didn't really get into the immediately when it came out, and I think it was like the Halsey song and the video just like brought me back to watching MTV Two and Fuse like really late at night in you know two thousand seven, and like it felt really perfect and. You know, it's just like it's he's having so much fun. It's also just like such a raw kind of angry album. He lost his dad. He's responding to a lot of that grief. He's also fallen in love with Megan Fox, who's like the peak sort of like pop punk muse. Like that's, you know, you can't get better in more 2006, 2007 than like having Megan Fox become like your real life muse and for your new album. And it's just like you know, interludes from Megan and Pete Davidson. I can't think of a more perfect album. <laughs> Love that. Also note that Halsey on her album, to bring it full circle, she has that great song that samples dialogue from Jennifer's Body. Yes. The greatest Megan Fox film of all time. Yeah. So like Megan Fox, sort of the the secret sharer of of 2020 pop. She was everywhere. And there's that phone call from John Mayer at the end of 3am when he's congratulating her for how well Without Me did. Um, And 3am being her amazing, her amazing rock song on on uh, Manic, but yeah. So just... many amazing songs on that album, but yeah, 3 a.m. <laughs> is just love that. Now one. when John Mayer tries to creep on young pop stars, they just make it like a, like, like, wow, this legend called me on this album. This old legend called me. They don't even know that, they don't even understand that he's creeping on The them. lead singer um, of The Grateful Dead just called me. <laughs> <laughs> but, so but cool, you guys. cry the whole way home? <laughs> <laughs> we were just going to talk about a very interesting inclusion on our list, which is Fleetwood Mac's Dreams, which is, of course, not a song that came out in 2020. It is not a song that came out in 2020. It is a song that came out 43 years ago, I believe. And it is in there because, essentially, TikTok started a thing, which is how all things start nowadays. Who wants to uh, dig into that? (laughs) I'm happy to talk about the virality of Dreams this year. It started long before the amazing um, 
cranberry juice TikTok that we had all seen. It actually was kind of picking up on TikTok online much earlier. It even like it entered our our um, RS top two hundred list like in April. Like people were listening to rumors a lot in like March and April to the point where it was literally charting again. But Dreams itself, I started to notice TikToks with it in June, July. There was like people kind of doing some dances to them that didn't really take off as challenges in the way that, you know, Savage Remix or WAP or Say So had taken off. But there definitely were people making viral content around it. There's like a couple of TikTokers that were doing like kind of fanfic reenactments of, you know, Lindsay hearing Dreams for the first time in the studio or like Stevie hearing Go Your Own Way for the first time in the studio or like John McVie hearing like all the songs about the lighting <laughs> lighting designer in the studio that Christine had written like um you know just like stuff like that that people were suddenly very fascinated with Fleetwood Mac with kind of the lore around it with dreams in particular and of course when we we get the the viral video from um I'm gonna get his name right uh Nathan Apodaca and he him on the on the skateboard drinking cranberry juice and everyone reenacting it. Stevie getting on TikTok to do a version where she's just lacing up rollerblades. Um, Lindsay Buckingham hopping on a horse. Mick Fleetwood getting on a skateboard, I think. I hope that he was actually on a skateboard for it. We can't really see, can't really see it, but I'm assuming he actually got on a skateboard. But it, I mean, it's just incredible that it's taken off so much and that it sort of was a slow build to everyone just being like, you know what, Dreams is a perfect song. Like, I'm, I would like to be listening to it constantly a choice that I have made for, for many years running. Another huge TikTok thing, obviously, is Roddy Rich's The Box. And it actually came out towards the end of 2019. And I, I personally, I hate when, I hate that. I hate when we <laughs> have to do that. Uh, I, I'm very literal about these things. I, I think Rob is the least literal, um, but I understand why we did it. John, maybe talk a little bit about this song and it, its uh, its lasting impact and and Roddy. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a little bit of a margin call since it came out last year, but it seemed like it was just he was so popular and it was so popular. But just just an absurd example of how you can use language in a song, just the the, the sounds he makes, and it's just so striking, especially for kind of a debut hit. Um, it just seemed to be a, one of the weirder ways to introduce yourself I can think of for a for a new rap star um, in memory. It is, you know, stays with you, I guess. One artist who s- seems to sort of effortlessly do songs that are great in their own right and stand on their own as great songs in any era and yet also work incredibly well as TikTok trends is Megan Thee Stallion. It just seems to come supernaturally to her. And I don't think she's even trying. It's just the nature of her song. And uh, she actually, she had a few songs that work like that on TikTok, but a really big one was with Savage. And then in turn, there's this remix where Beyonce drops like definitely one of the rap verses of the year, if not like the rap. I mean, she really wraps her ass off on it. And so that's the Savage remix. And that's, that's pretty high on her list. Who wants to uh, talk about that a little bit? Well, I mean, Megan had Savage and and WAP like the same summer, like the same year. Uh, just like incredible. She's she's just on this roll. It's funny because like last year, of course, everybody talked about Megan and Hot Girl Summer. And, and Megan, more than any other artist, defined that summer. She made it the Hot Girl Summer. And everybody this summer was so aware that it was not a Hot Girl Summer. 
And speak for yourself, so, Rob. <laughs> the fact that that it was like that Megan was the one who like really like you know uh, stepped up with all these hits all year, like culminating in her very 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 late in the year uh, album, Good News. Just incredible year that she, an, an artist who realizes she's on a creative role, on a cultural role, and she just gets even better than she was before. And she realizes she can get away with stuff that nobody else can get away from because she's just, she's got the brilliance to do it. And she's ending the year with a, a third viral TikTok song with Body where there's been a challenge. And it's also so much due to the fact that she's a an amazing performer, like an incredible dancer. You know, she has studied Beyonce her entire life. She's studied major, you know, like really iconic stage performers. And she's, you know, she's been crushing it with all of the award show performances. She's been doing these amazing videos. Like she makes these dances that you want to imitate. Like she makes you want to dance because she does these songs that are built for her to dance to on stage. I don't think it had much of a TikTok presence and it's not on our list, but I really, I really love uh, Girls in the Hood. That, that is such a, a great flip of a classic hip hop song. And it's, so, it's, it, it's incredible. Again, she can she she can do stuff that's valid by sort of super old school hip hop standards, and also valid by you know making forty million teens do a challenge on TikTok. It's it's really really impressive, and it's like I'd love to ask her like with the with body like there's that bit like body yada yada, and then and then on, on TikTok, and then people show like whatever their body pictures. But like, did she have it in her mind that that could become a, a TikTok thing, or, or or does she just naturally sort of gravitate towards music that works that way? because it works so insanely well. I feel like the choreography for sure in the video because the I don't think she anticipated like how many different ways. That's the funny thing about TikTok too is like so many songs take off in like multiple ways sometimes and with body like that song not only kind of has like this body positivity angle to it where people have been using this as like, you know, like let me kind of like celebrate myself but also like the dance move that she does when she's doing that body yadi yadi part of the video has taken off completely like people are trying to do it because it's so like it's like a it looks like a very easy move but it's not <laughs> like it's like a lot of knee control that obviously meg is always celebrated for like that people just don't have and so she's like everyone's like trying to like imitate this like very specific type of dance that she's doing so i think she's definitely like taken more advantage of how her own dance moves and like how kind of brilliant she is in that regard along with being a great rapper but like how she can kind of utilize that with how catchy her songs are and people are are doing their best we, we've seen the the WAP challenge failures like <laughs> a lot of people just is trying really hard to to hit the the drop split and it's not it's not an easy thing <laughs> i think just to hit a couple country notes there is one song that i hadn't heard before until we put it on our list uh it's by Haley witters and it's called Janice at the Hotel Bar. It really took me by surprise and, and, and just wowed me emotionally. It's basically like a, a classic sort of Nashville story song. And, and it, it, in, in the song, the, the narrator kind of meets, it's based on a true story. She meets this older woman, like an 80-year-old woman at a hotel bar who suddenly like dumps all this really wise life advice on her. And it is so moving. It's such a beautiful song. Uh, it's like, you know, there's this refrain of, you know, make a good living, but don't forget to have a good life. And it's just like this, all this like grandmotherly advice. It's just real. It's one the kind of song that was like, okay, I, I didn't, I wasn't really familiar with Helly Witters, but I'm going to make sure <laughs> that I, that I, I go there. Uh, John, were you also uh, struck by this song? 
Uh, yeah, it was. And I will note that if you go down the list a little bit, you will notice that the the Bill Callahan song on here, the song Pigeons, yes. um, is the same song told from the other perspective. Um, he plays uh, as a, uh, a, he's a limo driver and he picks up a, a couple at a wedding and they realize he's got a wedding ring and they start asking him advice about what it's like to be married. And it's just really moving. But that song that Haley Weather song is really, I forget, I'm trying to remember the line to quote, but it was like, you know, don't take any pills unless you need to take the pill. You know, it's just, it's like all these, like you, you end up next to the bar, just kind of a salty old person who gets, give, gives you this great life advice. It's one of those great Nashville advice story songs. You're absolutely right. The Calhoun song was also beautiful. And, and yet yeah, it's, it's basically like this idea. Uh, he, he has this idea of pretty sophisticated, poetic idea. Like when you're married, you're married to the whole world. It's just this idea of, of, of being connected to humanity. I mean, you know, it's not true, obviously, but the idea is like, you know, if, if you're not, then you're sort of like, you don't have to care about anybody. But once you make that one connection, you're connected to the universe, basically. That that was also a stunning song. Yeah. When you're starting off, it's just you and there's nothing else. But as you go through life and grow and, and just take on life, you can't help but take on people. And it's your and it's that's another nice thing to hear this year, too, because we were so isolated. It's it's a neat. I like, I like when these lists, the songs sometimes have a little conversation occasionally. And that's one where they, that happened. I love that. And also. Both great songs seem like in some subliminal level, like they're tributes to one of the the, the country masters of the uh, advice from grizzled old stranger country song, which is, of course, the late, great Kenny Rogers. What's his best song in that vein? I'm not super familiar with the Kenny Rogers canon. Well, there's this song where he uh, he's jumped a train and there's a gambler on the train. Oh, well, yeah. The gambler... You know, the advice about holding them and folding them. And don't you dare claim you don't know the gambling. Yeah, I know that one. He gave you an ace for you to keep. You know, I I I I didn't really realize that's what's happening in the song. I have to admit it, but I am familiar with that track. Thank you. Yes, (laughs) it's not quite quite the same as what you were talking about, but it's 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 somewhat similar. But also, you know, John Prine's on the list, and sort of anyone, an artist who can really take sort of moments in life, and that's an insane song. If you can get through that song without crying. I mean, he's like, I'm going to write a song about looking back at life and taking the moments and how great it was. And it's the last, the first song he was going to write for a new record he was going to make. He just had a record a couple of years ago that was amazing called Tree of Forgiveness. And then he passed away because of COVID. And it's just to go out smiling like that. It's just, it's, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I remember everything. And you know from, <laughs> you know from the title down that, that you're going to get sledgehammered. <laughs> uh, and speaking of sledgehammers in country music, uh, you got to talk about Gaslighter by the Dixie Chicks. And, uh, you know, I remember when I, I first heard, I've been uh, among the many people who've been waiting for a new Dixie Chicks album for a really long time. And uh, uh, a publicist came and played us some of the songs without really telling us what they were going to be about. And then when you hit, it, it quickly became clear that this was just like. Natalie Maines' absolutely nuclear assault against her ex-husband. I'm just in awe of the heavy artillery deployed on this song. I, I wouldn't say the album is wholly successful. I, I would say it's one Jack Antonoff collaboration that maybe didn't perfectly come off. It doesn't necessarily always feel like a Dixie Chicks album, but this moment was was incredible. Brittany, what do, you, what do you like about that song? I mean, I love an, an angry country song, and I think, like, especially with, the Dixie Chicks and the two songs that have been sort of like following me throughout my life that I love so much are Goodbye Earl, which is like the great breakup murder bop that there is in country. Like, you know, of the many, of the many like breakup murder bops that there are. You got to do a murder box greatest. list yeah. for Rolling yeah. I, I just want to say that the subject of Gaslighter wishes he was Earl. Like, yeah. Like, right. 
And it's like such like a perfect kind of companion to that. And of course, not ready to make nice being, you know, the kind of big power ballad version of kind of the distilled country anger. But like Gaslighter is just so much fun. And it was it was one of those things, again, sort of like in the idea of an event this year of how many uh, people I know in my life from all different parts of my life who were texting me that they were so excited the Dixie Chicks were back. And, you know, obviously, like, don't all work in music media so they weren't paying attention but were so pleasantly pleased (laughs) to like have the Dixie Chicks back in their life and to have it be such a a bombastic song like Gaslighter which is just so angry it's so well written it's so fun it's like just like the harmonies are so killer and it just feels like everything that you love from especially the most popular Dixie Chicks songs that there are kind of all come together and culminating in like this like perfect divorce anthem. If the whole record would have been Gaslighter level, it would have been in our top five or whatever. It's just, but unfortunately it kind of wavers a little bit. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So there's a, a, a this Blackpink song on there. And to me, it's so great. It also sounds so much like M.I.A. to me. And I, I mean, it really, really does. It sounds it sounds almost like like the only other songs they ever heard were by M.I.A. And they, they crafted a whole uh, like, like they just like kind of distilled the entire M.I.A. catalog into like something that was arguably a little bit more poppy and accessible than, than anything she's ever done. Although she's done, you know, pretty poppy stuff. But it's it's wild to me. And, I, and for all I know, that's a total accident. And I, and I think Rob had some things to say about Blackpink featuring Selena Gomez on the song Ice Cream. Let's kind of perfect classic tradition of the girl group playground jump rope song so it, it goes back to Ico Ico you know the Dixie chick the Dick sorry the Dixie cups <laughs> now the cups yeah now the cups yes you know it goes back to the Shirelles the Shangri-Las and it goes way back before that it goes back to you know Miss Mary Mack dressed in black you know like it's it goes back to Miss Lucy had a steamboat it, it's just most basic kind of clapping song. And that's something I like about it is it's updated for an international, cross-continental, cross-generational, cross-cultural sort of jam with Selena Gomez and Blackpink just getting together to do this kind of like awesomely boombastic 80s boombox style jump rope chant. One of the most interesting songs on the list is by uh, Rina Sawayama, and it's called STFU. And it, it reminds it's it's very much in the vein of of some of what Grimes has has done recently. And it, it's this this crazy mix of like new metal and uh, like pop and Lord knows what. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting, and I, I really that's how it really where I do sandwich it is kind of in that that Grimes area. But but John, you wrote about that. Yeah, I just said what you basically said. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like she, Brittany was actually wrote about her early in the year and kind of introduced me to her. And it's like, she just is this really interesting kind of concatenation where she's really into corn and TRL and 80s dance pop and puts them all together in this. That song is just an attack. It's great. No one speaks my language more than Rina Sawayama. Like I, it's, that album has been a constant for me this year. And STFU is like, I, I wish I could relive the moment when I first heard that song because it has like those crazy, crazy new metal guitars, like as if, you know, she's being backed by Limp Bizkit, like you're half expecting Fred Durst to come in and do a verse. Like, it's just like really, it's so big and it's so angry. I mean, just like any, the for me, it's been, the year's been marked by like songs of extreme blissful escape and songs of like 
huge, huge, like, moments of anger. And, like, that song is just, like, such a release. But, yeah, that, that's been one of my favorite on-repeat songs this year. Genius song. It's like an entire TRL countdown in one song. Mm-hmm. It's like 2001, Never Died. Yes. Like, it's all happening at once. Yes, like, it's, you know, because, like, on TRL, you know, you used to have the pop fans going, like, whoa, Justin, you know, like, and and Britney, and, and then you'd have the rock fans going, like, Corn Limp Biscuit, Britney sucks, Backstreet Boys suck. And this song is like, nope, we all love it all, and it's it's putting it all in one song. It's just kind of perfect. I, I feel like I've been waiting years of my life to hear this song. You know what I mean? I feel yeah. like this is a song we all dreamed of for years. <laughs> it took it took an artist of her genius to pull it off. Absolutely. John, maybe you want to talk about the Drake entry in the list featuring Lil Durk, uh, Laugh Now, Cry Later, which is a cool song. I like it. Yeah, kind of a quiet year, right, for Drake? He didn't make his record that was supposed to come out. Um, and then this is a kind of a nice, like, it's got a nice kind of swing beat. And he just talks about how life is still awesome for Drake. Um, but there's kind of a little bit of a tug of loneliness to it, too. And uh, Little Verdure talks about uh, bringing Drake to his neighborhood and kind of introducing Drake to Drax. Um, it's a, it's a, it's Drake's one inclusion here. And it's, it's a, it's a, I think a good one. No one has ever taken half of a pill more often in a song than Drake. He's very into one telling day. you that yeah, he's, he's very into telling you that he's very cautious <laughs> with his, his pill intake. It's, it, it's, it's a hilarious tick. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Brittany. Oh, I was just going to say it felt like such a great apology after the two C slide, which is a true abomination of a Drake song. And was so big because it was built to be a TikTok song, but honestly, like such a failure for me in so many ways. And I, as a Drake apologist, like it's very hard to listen to that song. And the song felt like I think Drake is back to leaning into the qualities of him that make him kind of funny and like the butt of the joke. And laugh now, cry later is like a peak Drake song title. Like I, you know, any song that has cry in the title for Drake is so good. Like the name of his next album is certified lover boy. Like no one else can pull that off. And I would expect nothing less from him. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to, it was a real dark moment to have two C slide be the Drake single. Um, so I'm glad this one came out. You know, it's a very broad minded list. There's a, a ton of genres on it. The highest ranking sort of like classic Rocky thing is by uh, none other than Bob Dylan. And it's uh, a song that I thought was pretty sure was a little bit of a nod to Jimmy Buffett here and there, just in in that it's literally on his territory. Uh, It's called Key West Philosopher Pirate. Actually, when you have the word pirate and Key West in your song title, you're definitely nodding to Jimmy Buffett. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Blackpink and you're not familiar with Jimmy Buffett. That would still be a Jimmy Buffett nod. But uh, Rob, I know you're super fond of this song. I love it. It's one of the many amazing songs on his amazing, amazing new album, uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways. Bob Dylan, his year began with, he just, on the spur of the moment, with no warning whatsoever, released a seven-minute song about the JFK assassination. And it was the kind of thing that was, it was so mind-blowing that it existed, but also it was the kind of thing of like, are we still going to like this in six months? And all these months later, it's like, no, that song is still amazing, all 17 minutes of it. Um, it's just a fantastic Dylan song. Key West is my favorite song from that Dylan album. I, I don't hear the Jimmy Buffett connection, but there's so much mortality. It, it reminds me of how, you know, in, in Dylan songs, usually if somebody's in Florida, it usually means they're on the run from the law. 
you know, they they killed somebody somewhere and they got to get away. So, you know, they go down to Florida. And that's really the only reason anybody in any Dylan song is ever in Florida. And something I love about that song is Dylan is somebody who sings usually about passing through places, not staying in a place. And he sings about Key West almost like he's trapped in paradise. And there's this really weird emotional tone that he's never quite come close to in his music before. And very close to it on the list is The Weekend's Blinding Lights, which is another Max Martin collaboration, I believe. And great song. Overall, I mean, I feel like this Weekend album finds a, a place between kind of his early stuff that was really moody and bedroomy and then his his pop stuff as exemplified by like his other uh, big hit Max Martin collaboration. And there's also like a super 80s thing going on, obviously. And it's, 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 a, it's a great song. It's definitely one of the best uh, Weekend songs. Yeah. Yeah. Another song, again, uh, a big year a big year for TikTok all around. Like another song that really took off on TikTok and has continued to have big staying power over there. And also what kind of made this song so special in terms of the actual album of After Hours of everything that's happened since is like there is so much world building that the weekend made with this like this is like inspired by kind of all of these like very like 70s movies it's a very like also like very fear and loathing in las vegas like the I, like the actual martin scorsese film after hours is a big point of reference across all the videos across the music of kind of like building this really incredible world and there is such like you know he's so good at combining this like real grittiness to it like there's like so much darkness to it like the even just the sound of it is kind of a little daunting like if i heard the opening chords of that song like while i was walking alone alone in the east village i'd be like a little spooked but like it's like such a bright song once it kind of opens up and is such a catchy fun amazing kind of moment for him um but yeah i mean just like everything about the way he kind of rolled out this album and that song in particular has been so fascinating and fun to kind of see him really lean into how much of an actor he is and how much of like a performer he can be well beyond the stage and into how he's like making characters that he's performing these songs through. I'm sure that uh, neither of you has anything to say about Harry Styles' Dorio. We can just Who? skip that one. Yeah. <laughs> Some guy. Where's the dress? Harry is the name you say? Yeah. I'll have to look him up. Gary? Larry? <laughs> Something like that? Um, he had... He had a number one hit this year with Watermelon Sugar. He had a massive hit with Adore You, which shares a distinction with the Weekend song that, that those were the only two songs that were on the singles chart every single week of 2020, which is an astounding feat to achieve. To the point where, you know, when we were putting the list together, it, it was kind of a toss up between like which perfect Harry smash was, you know, the one for the list. And if you ask me, like... Like the song, the songs on the album that sound that sounds most like a pop smash is falling, and he hasn't even gotten around to releasing that one as a single. I'm yet. just laughing at, at, at Rob saying "smash extra time." No, I'm I'm leaning into smash. I'm 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 going all the way. I'm I'm up to this. make smash great again, Rob Sheffield. You can do it, man. <laughs> yes, reclaiming smash. Um, but so with "Adore You," which is you know a song that would have been a perfect pop hit in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, or today. It's it's kind of a timeless, psychedelic soul ballad. And yeah. Watermelon Sugar, totally different kind of song with a really laid back, spacey, who maybe we'll have a chord change, maybe we won't. You know, like, ah, choruses, you know, who needs them? Watermelon Sugar is really a, just a really eccentric groove for 
two songs from that album to be so different and yet so huge, just kind of astounding. Yeah. And such like a, a fun thing to see, especially with him sort of taking such a left turn with his st- debut album, where it was kind of not built to build off of being in a boy band, building off of like, you know, like making a lot of kind of really glittery pop hits and kind of this more acoustic, a little Nashville, a little like, <clears throat> like Laurel Canyon 70s FM rock and then to kind of like have this album which kind of, you know diverges a little bit from it but really just has these really big pop songs that fit very well into a lot of the influences that he's always pulled from and that feel very inspired by Paul McCartney and all of the kind of big 70s stars that he does look up to and references so much like to kind of be able to translate that to a song that sounds like not doesn't sound like an anomaly for 2020 it doesn't sound like a song that doesn't belong in 2020 but there is a timelessness to it which is really fun so thank you to Brittany spanos and john dolan and rob sheffield for joining me i'm brian hyatt and this was today's episode of rolling stone music now we'll be back next week here on sirius xm volume channel 106 in the meantime we are a podcast download us as a podcast subscribe to us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts maybe leave us a nice review on itunes that is always appreciated as always, thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.